with his. We want our things to be what he comes into, and we invite him into our ideas, and we invite him into our plans, and we invite him to the things that we do instead of allowing ourselves to gravitate to where he is. Amen? And sometimes we miss that. Jesus is there, right? Jesus is constant. He is absolute, and he is there, and he invites us to where he is, and we need to move past this idea of doing our thing and inviting him to our thing, right? We need to pursue him and the things that he's doing in life. Um, the week after that, last week, we talked about Simeon and Anna. Uh, and we talked about how the Holy Ghost had made them a promise that they would see the Savior. They would see the answer. They would see the one who would come and deliver, not just them, but deliver all people before they would see death. And, and we see that the, the scriptures tell us that the Holy Ghost moved them into the temple, and moving them into the temple, the completion was found in what God had promised. And so it's a reminder to all of us that God has purpose and God has promise into our life, and Jesus is there for us to accomplish those things when we choose to trust, when we choose to obey, and we choose to allow our life to move in the direction that God has for us. Amen. Simeon, thank you, Haley. Simeon and Anna, perfect examples of that to us. I guess now I'm going to be cognizant of every time I say amen, but um, I'll probably say it anyway, and that's okay. But what we find is Simeon and Anna bring a cognizance to us in understanding that there is a purpose and there is a promise for us in our life that we would move in the direction that God has for us. And we shouldn't forget that, and we should be called to that. It begins with our redemption, but then it moves further into, uh, into our purpose and into our promise. So today, we're back in Luke chapter 2. We're back at very familiar scripture. It's the same scripture that Amy read to you during Advent this morning. And um, I think it's important for us to look at these scriptures. And I'm not a, um, I'm not a strong hey, it's Christmas time, you got to preach Christmas messages kind of preacher. I, I kind of preach what God lays on my heart. But I was really driven there this year. And, and many of you know, and I preached this message last year, so I'm going to do my best not to re-preach it as part of this this morning. But it's one of my favorite occurrences in Scripture when the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field. I love the moment, I, I, you know, I read Scripture in such a way that you know, I put myself there, I try to imagine what it felt like, what it smelt like, what it was like, what, what the entire environment and atmosphere was. And as part of that, um, I think this moment in Scripture is huge for all of us because these are the people, the angels of heaven, these are the people who were with Jesus at all times. These are the people who were with Jesus in a way that they understood him, they knew him, they stood at his command, amen? Scripture teaches us that when Jesus would stand on the throne at the right hand of God, the angels would immediately snap to attention. And so now we're hearing from them. We're hearing from the angels in this scripture when they appear to the shepherds and announce that Jesus has come, and then they kind of have just a, a worship fit of their own in the skies over the shepherds that night in Bethlehem, telling the shepherds of the importance of the moment and what it means 
for the rest of their lives. I love the imagery. I love the moment. I love thinking about it. I love imagining it. I love the idea of what it would be like if I was there seeing this unfold before me. And I love the passion of the angels when they are saying to me and they are saying to you, don't you get it? This is Jesus. He was here and now he's there. The light of heaven is there. The king of glory is there. The alpha and omega is there. The author and the finisher of your faith is there. Jesus is there. Right? They understood the significance. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure it out. And I think, and I think the frustration in trying to figure it out comes from, from the exam, some of the examples that the shepherds give us in this passage. So there, I didn't really re-preach the message that much, and we're going to get into it this morning. Starting at verse 6, starting at verse 6, it says, And so it was that while, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that, the shep- that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by them of the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. As it was told of them. I feel like we need to pray this morning. Father, we're thankful for your goodness in the place today. Lord, thankful for the reminder of who Jesus is and all that he, all that he is to us. Lord, a song like Mary, Did You Know, that, that reminds us and calls out to us everything that Jesus is. For the angels that stood in heaven on, on that blessed night and, and said to us that Jesus is here. And because Jesus is here, we have the opportunity to pursue him, and we have the opportunity to to grab him, and we have the opportunity to touch him, and we have the opportunity to allow him to move and transform our lives. And so, Father, we're thankful for that this morning. We pray, God, that as we look into these scriptures, that, Lord, you feed us, and, Lord, you teach us, and, Lord, you move us to the very place where you are 
in, in this thought and in this understanding, Lord, that we would ever be moved towards you. Be glorified and be lifted up in us, and God will give you praise and will give you glory in the house this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we think about the shepherds here, we can think about a, a lot of different things. And there's a lot of rich information uh, and knowledge in today's uh, world about shepherds, who they were, what they were, and, and what they do. And one thing that, that I think the shepherds teach us that, that we have forgotten how to do in life is we have forgotten how to embrace spiritual moments. In reality, we have come to a place in our lives and, and in our routines where we might not even recognize spiritual moments, right? We're so busy, we're so caught up in, I have to do this next, I have to do this next, I have to be here tomorrow, I have to do this the day after tomorrow, the day after is this, the day after is that, here's my schedule, here's my routine, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's a few minutes, God, I'm going to squeeze you into, but everything else is focused on this, when God invites us to the very opposite, now I'm not here to beat you up this morning, Amen? So I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want us to see and I want us to think about what happens when we choose to live life differently, right? We know that shepherds were responsible for the care of the sheep. They were responsible for making sure that the sheep were protected. We were, they were responsible for bringing the sheep into the areas that sometimes to find pasture land would be dangerous because of the, the wolves and the things that lurk there. That's why in the 23rd Psalm it talks about leading them through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And at night, the shepherds, as they walked them through the valley and from place to place to place, the shepherds were responsible for putting uh, rocks and basically building a border with rocks that they kept, kept the sheep in so that they wouldn't stray at night because they were afraid of the rocks and wouldn't go over the rocks and everything else the, the wolves might to come in. But that way they could at least keep all the sheep together. So they had a lot of work to do at night. They had a lot of stuff to get done at night to fulfill their responsibilities as shepherds. And now all of a sudden, here's an angel telling us that Jesus is here, and now all of a sudden they're dancing and they're glorifying God in heaven. Don't they know I'm busy? Don't they know I've got all of these rocks to stack? Don't they know I've got all of these things to do? But what do the shepherds do? They taught us. They taught us how to respond to spiritual moments. They taught us how to respond to the voice of God wanting to move in our life. They stopped. They took pause. And they embraced the moment. They embraced. They watched. They listened. They heard. They observed everything that took place. And they allowed it to minister to them, and they allowed it to teach them, and they allowed it to move upon their lives. Right? We know this because what did they do when it was over? They went to Bethlehem. They went to where the star was. They went to where Jesus was. Right? Why? Because they had a spiritual moment. They had an encounter with a spiritual moment that allowed it to move upon them. 
and challenge them to something more, something deeper, and something greater than what they had known up to that point in life, right? Many of us will complain about life. Many of us will complain that I wish my life was this. Many of us will complain about I wish my life was that. Many of us will complain about our day, and many of us will complain about our job, and many of us will complain about our house or our car or our situation in life. Whatever that is, we'll complain, 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 complain. But yet we spend very little time with God. We spend very little time seeking and pursuing Him and all that he's trying to do in our life. You see, God just isn't allowed very many moments with us anymore. And because of that, we lose sight of the power, and we lose sight of the glory, and we lose sight of the hope and the joy that exists in Jesus. Amen? You don't know the number of people in, in the churches that I've been a part of over the years who have come to me and say, Jay, I've, I've lost my joy. And I'm like, no, you really haven't lost your joy. What you've lost is you've lost Jesus. You've lost Jesus. Well, what do you mean? I'm saying, didn't question your salvation. Your salvation happened because of a cross on a hill and a Savior who died there for it. But your joy is tied to that Savior who died there and exampled a life that you're supposed to follow and live. And when you choose to live otherwise, when you choose to wrap yourself up into the things of the world and not allow his influence in your life, if his joy is directly related to him and you've lost him, guess what you're going to lose with it? You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose that abundance that you get. Amen. What, what did Jesus promise us? He said, I come to give life and life abundant, right? Promised abundant life. To but the only way we get to that abundant life is through him. The only way we capture abundant life, the only way we capture peace, the way we capture joy in our life and in the things that we do every single day is because of Jesus. And even now, even in this moment, even when he's trying to talk to you, you're sitting there, some of you, and your minds are everywhere else. You're on your schedule, and you're on your phones, and you're in this, and you're in that, and you're thinking about this thing, and you're thinking about that thing. Amen. For once, let's think about Jesus. And that's what the angels were saying to us. That's what the angels were saying to us through the shepherds is they were saying forget about everything else for a minute and embrace this moment because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. The commander in chief of glory is there. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I'm up to 5,000 now. Amen. Jesus is there. And when we miss that, when we lose sight of that, and I'm not saying that, that anybody's doing anything bad, okay? And if you are, shame on you, let's deal with it. Amen? Let's deal with it and fix it. But sometimes we can get caught up. When, I've, when I first accepted my calling and to preach and, and this and that and the other, I was young and I was in the business community and different things and, and so forth, I got wrapped up in a lot of stuff. 
in, in the blink of an eye, I'm trying to figure out how to be a preacher, and at the same time, I'm on the, I'm on the board of directors of the West Virginia American Family Association, I'm on the board of directors of the West Virginia Right to Life, I, I'm doing all of this stuff and all of these things, and it began to show. And a preacher friend um, came to me, a mentor friend came to me, and everything else, and, and uh, he had heard me preach several times, and he said, hey, what's going on with you? Like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, there's just a big difference today versus several months ago. I was like, oh, I'm just tired. You know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, I didn't get as much study time on this one because of blah, because of blah, and this and that and the other. And I worked like 60 hours this week. And, and I'm making all of these excuses, life, 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 this, 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 this. None of it was bad. All of it was good things, right? Things that have a purpose and things that have a meaning. <clears throat> and this is what he said to me. He said, you love me, right? Amen. A lot of times when I'm going to give you a hard truth, I'll say that from his example. Because I'll look at him and I'll be like, you love me, right? Because I'm getting ready to love you real good right now. Amen. And, and, and so he looked at me and he says, you love me, right? And I said, of course. And he said, what were you called to do? Were you called to be on the American Family Association? If so, do it. Do it well. Were you called for West Virginia right to life? If so, go do it and do it well. Or were you called to preach? If so, go do it and do it well. So I tucked my tail and, and I kind of went home and did some soul searching. I did some praying and and those of you that have heard, have heard my testimony and everything else you know, it had my, my comeback to Jesus had everything to do with the fact that I didn't want to preach. And I was trying to find every way I could in life to disqualify myself from that. And when I could, I'd come back to Jesus, right? And it just didn't work that way because God had a calling on my life. And whether I wanted it or not, it was there. And I had to deal with that. And he was right. And so the next, the next day on Monday, I, I called American Family Association, and, and I wish them all my best and my support, but I resigned. Called the West Virginia Right to Life, and I wish them all of my love and support and, and backing, but I resigned from, from my board position on both of those. And um, I made some pretty important people in, in the local political realm unhappy because, you know, they wanted me to do this, they wanted me to do that, and, and they even had political aspirations for me and this and that and the other. And, and, and one called me up after the fact when they heard and, and challenged me on something. I was like, look, I was called to do one thing, not all of these things. And so I'm going to focus on that. That's number one. It's more important to me than anything else. And you all know the story. I quit everything. I quit dating. I quit doing everything else like this. And for seven years, it was me and this. In this. Now, I had some friends that really worried about that, so they fixed me up. Hey, Jay, come on over. We're going to have a little game night, everything else like that. I said, oh, here's so-and-so, you know, and everything else. And I'm like, man, you guys are way too worried about this because it's not even on my mind right now. And after, after a few months, they got the hint, and they quit doing the little fixer-ups, this, and that, and the other. And, and I went from always dating to not dating and, and just spending time with Jesus and embracing the moments with him. And... We don't do that anymore. We're too busy. We're moving too fast. 
It's why I love it when, when I get text. TJ and Kristen are in our own little text group between the three of us. And, and we're always sharing worship songs or, or scriptures and, and different things with each other. And we, we text back and forth and we talk about that. I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment when we stop and we pause from everything else and we embrace Jesus with each other for a minute. And, and that invigorates me. It excites me. Amen? Not because I'm the pastor and, and they're part of the church or anything else like that. It, it absolutely, y'all need to stop. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, do it, I don't care. Um, <laughs> um, but it invigorates me in the idea and in the moment, they forget I can see what you all see back there. Um, it invigorates me to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are getting it. And we are choosing to move forward with Jesus. And, and what saddens me is, I talk to a lot of people, and we can recap the UFC fights from last night. We can recap the football game. We can recap the basketball game. We can recap all of these moments. We can recap funny things we saw on social media. We can recap things that happened at the ball game 10 years ago and spend an evening sitting around a table talking about it. We can recap a lot of things in our life, but how many spiritual moments, how many spiritual Kodak moments, if you will, can we recap? And can we say we have embraced that moment? The shepherds did. The shepherds saw these angels, and the shepherds saw this moment, and the shepherds listened to the things that the angels evangelized, yes, evangelized to them, and they listened, and they heard, and they received it in their heart, and they followed what the angels told them to do. Amen? And I'm going to be honest with you, today's church just doesn't do that. We're too busy trying to be cool. We're too busy trying to keep up with the marketing program, and we're too busy trying to keep up with the look and the form and the fashion of today. Amen? And I'm going to be honest with you, those things are all good. I'm a marketing guy. It's what I do for a living. Amen? And those all things are good and, and have a place. But if we leave Jesus out of it, it's garbage. If we leave Jesus out of the efforts we make to evangelize him, but yet he's not really involved. It's just a bunch of us without the Holy Spirit moving our lives, talking about the next thing we're going to do. It's garbage. And the church needs to do better. The church, amen? Not this church, that church. Amen, I'm naming nobody. But the church as a whole needs to do better. We need to embrace the moments that God gives us. And how do we do that, right? Somebody, somebody's probably thinking, well, how do I do that? Because this is what my week looks like. This is what my schedule looks like. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we've all got to take a moment like I had to take when, when my mentor said what he said to me. We've, we've all got to take a moment and analyze the stuff we're crowding out Jesus with. Right? We've got to take a moment and, and truly stop and think. The shepherds that night, the shepherds could have said, dude, I get it. I understand this is important, and I understand this is good for man, but if I don't build this rock wall, chaos is going to happen because these sheep are crazy. Right? If you've ever pastored, you'd understand that. Amen? Just saying. 
But the shepherds could have totally blew off that moment. They could have totally said, there is too much hurry in my life. There is too much got to in my life. There are too many places I need to be and do to deal with what y'all are doing right now. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next year. Sometimes we need to remove the hurry. Sometimes we need to remove the got to. And sometimes we need to take a step back and just spend time with Jesus. Amen? It's like my, my focus on the seven years of this word and preparing myself for, for 30 years of ministry and everything else. You, you know the story, and I'm not going to recap it, but, but I had one of the best help meets anyone could ever have. She calls herself a silent partner and someone who, who, who doesn't see herself as a big part of what goes on up here because it's not her thing. But what you guys don't realize is she is a bigger part of what goes on up here than I am. Right? And it's a stabilizing force for me and in my life to have a helpmeet like that. And it happened God's way. It didn't happen my way. It wasn't something I planned. It wasn't something I schemed. It wasn't something that I went to places I shouldn't go to find a wife when I'm trying to serve Jesus. There's a lot of that going on, and it causes a lot of problems. Amen? It had everything to do with doing it God's way and letting him figure out the details. Right? And for those of you that don't know, it took her going away for two weeks before cell phones. You know, some of you said, what's that like? Right? Before cell phones, and we went from talking every day as friends as co-laborers in a youth group that was booming and, and we struggled to keep up with, with even with the helpers that we had and everything else like that and we were so caught up in doing Jesus we weren't recognizing the fact that he was letting us fall in love. So she goes away for two weeks and we go from talking every day about church stuff and not us to not talking at all for two weeks and we both are like, dang, I miss him. Dang, I miss her. Notice I said him first. Because she did kind of chase it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, not really. Anyway, moving on. Amen, count it, baby. Um, anyway, moving on. She, um, and we, we meet at Wendy's. She gets back, she goes, hey, I'm back in town. Some of, some of you have heard this. I know a lot of you have heard about Tony Tom. But um, she comes back to town. She goes, hey, I told you I'd call when I'm back. I'm back and everything else. I'm like, cool, let's, let's grab a bite. So, we, we met at Wendy's, which was a, a place we often ate because she's super picky. And um, so we went there, and we're sitting there, and we're eating. True story, she is. Um, and she'll admit it, so it's, I'm not talking bad about her. Um, and so we're sitting there, and, and um, we're eating, and there's, like, no conversation. And so I'm freaking out because I'm thinking for the first time in my life, I have feelings for her, and she's not talking to me, so it means she's probably went down and found some bum in South Carolina. Amen. That, that isn't going to sow into her life like I could sow into her life. Amen? And now it's just all messed up. Right? And, and so I'm sitting there on the inside. I'm kind of freaking out. But on the outside, I'm calm, cool, and collected and everything else. I'm like, what's wrong? You're not talking. It's all good. I'm fine. How are you? And everything else. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. Because we talked about everything. I mean, and, and being her best friend for, for four years, I, I knew her better than if we dated for four years because we had no reason to hold anything back. And now, 
we're not talking. And so finally I pushed and pushed and pushed. It's like, okay, I'm going to say this once. We're going to forget I ever said it, and we're going to move on like we always have. And I'm like, okay. She's freaking out a little bit. And she says, I missed you. I really missed you. So at this point, I have the opportunity to be so cool. Oh, that's nice, right? Or I had the opportunity to, to be honest and, and acknowledge that I felt the same way. So of course I played so cool. No, I'm just kidding. So of course I acknowledged the same. Yeah, Eric's over there like, oh, thanks. Um, no, I, um, I acknowledged the same, and, uh, and so she's like, so what do we do? I was like, well, I guess we try the dating thing. And six months later, we were married. And you say that, and people go, six months? We were best friends for four years. I felt like I knew everything about her at that moment. If I, what, what significance does that story have? If I hadn't paid attention to Jesus, I could have missed her. If I hadn't taken the time to slow down and, and remove the hurry from my life and pay attention to, to the service and, and to the help that she gave others and see something in that that was missing in me and want more of it, if I didn't pay attention to the stuff and I didn't pay attention to the things, if I didn't remove the hurry from my life, I would have missed the Jesus element in her. And I could have ended up with a bum from South Carolina, right? Or anywhere else. So what I'm saying to you is, friend, every aspect of your life and the joy that comes with it is tied to the position you give Jesus in your life. Everything that makes you happy, sad, upset, frustrated, aggravated is tied to the position Jesus has in your life. And what we have to understand as Christians, and we are all struggling, and we are all imperfect, and we are all trying to get better at these things, but what the shepherds give us the perfect example. They had a lot to do, and they had a lot of responsibility. But Jesus was evangelizing, God was evangelizing to them through the angels, and they stopped, and they listened, and they embraced the moment. And it changed them. It changed them. And because of their story, it has the opportunity to change us too. So I want to talk for a minute. I've, I've said it a couple of times now about the angels evangelizing to, to the shepherds that night. And they were. They were telling the story of Jesus. They were making it known who Jesus was and that Jesus had now come to earth and Jesus was among them. And because he was among them, peace and joy and hope, all of these things came with them, came with him. Amen? And so they were evangelizing to the shepherds and ultimately evangelizing to us. And so what does that say? What does this scripture say to us when we look at that and we see that of how important evangelizing ourselves and, and, and Jesus to others is? It is vital that we tell the story of Jesus. It is vital that we, we pick up the slack 
we tell the story of Jesus. Again, we can talk about a million different things and know every detail of it, but how many details do we know of Jesus? How many things can we share with the people who are the closest to us and mean the most to us? What can we share with them about Jesus? What do we tell them we have embraced? What has changed in us? And Peter and John outside of the gate said, silver and gold have I none, but I got Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. It changed my life, and it'll change yours. The same guy that everybody walked past and ignored on their way into the temple, they stopped and evangelized too. And a little bit later, this guy was in the temple leaping and dancing and praising God. Amen? And everybody that passed him by stood back. That's the crazy guy outside that we snub our nose at and turn away? Amen? Friend, listen. There are lives all around us that can change. There are lives all around us that we can touch. There are lives all around us that we can evangelize Jesus to. But in order for us, <clears throat> in order for us to evangelize, we got to have a story to tell. We've got to spend the time and embrace the moments with Jesus so we can take those moments and turn them around and share them with people about how Jesus has changed our life. Amen? The shepherds went and saw a baby in a manger, and it radically transformed them, and they started telling everybody about it, and because they told everybody about it, everybody wanted to see the baby. Well, if they can share that story about a baby lying in a manger and evangelize him to the world, dude, we should have some pretty amazing stories to evangelize and tell people of that would cause them to want to see Jesus, want them to feel Jesus, want them to experience Jesus. But if we don't have stories to tell because we're not embracing the moment, we can never evangelize him. Right? So this moment of Scripture challenges us to be there just like Jesus was there and allow Jesus to be there in our life so that we can share it with others. So we can share it with others and we can tell people how exciting. Now, now some of you sit there and you say, dude, I am not street preaching. I am not good at going to Speedway and paying for my gas and, and inviting that person to church or the person that Jesus has changed my life and everything else and so forth. And I get that. I get that, okay? Not everyone can do that, and that's fine. What about your kids? What are you evangelizing to your kids? What are you evangelizing to your family? What are you evangelizing to your next-door neighbor? What are you evangelizing to the, the people on the sidelines at the ball games that you sit at? What are you evangelizing to the people that you are close to and the people that you do talk to amen and that doesn't mean you have to talk about jesus every minute talk about the game for crying out loud but at the same time don't hesitate to share your faith and don't hesitate to share how important jesus is to you in your life at the very worst just live it in front of them just let them know it's a priority to you and not just another thing on your shelf and when you do that, you begin to evangelize Jesus to them, and you start transforming your community, your family, your home, 
your school, your workplace, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of how you live. Had, a, had an incident at work not too long ago, and someone handled something very poorly, and they got very irate, very belligerent, and everything else like that, and I said, whoa, 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 when do you ever hear me talk like that? To anyone, no matter how bad they mess up, how many times do you ever hear me address somebody like that? Never. I said, good, take note. Take note. Because there is a better way. There is a better way. And we're going to do the better way. We're going to do the better thing. We're going to choose the better words. We're going to choose the better tone. We're going to choose the better heart in what we do. And, and later the comment came back to me and it says, well, that's just easier for you. No, no, it, it's easier for me because I've embraced it and I've lived it longer. But it doesn't mean that you can't get better. It doesn't mean that you can't get better. And we're called to that. And it's important that we evangelize. Amen? Last, last, and we'll, we'll start to form this up. Last is we gotta be a seeker. We gotta be a seeker. We've got to pursue Jesus, and we've got to pursue Jesus' things. Is it true that the shepherds could have celebrated on the hill? That they could have believed just because of the testimony of the angels? Of course, right? Just like I'm telling you, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your children about Jesus. That be real, live it in front of them, and everything else. And yes, someone can believe based on that testimony. I am not excluding that at all. In order for that to be powerful and anointed in your life, you've got to seek him. You've got to pursue him. You've got to spend the time in the word and in prayer. Amen. You can't just cherry pick a handful of scripture. I'm, oh, I'm going to say this. And, and, and it's one of those just moments where, where I'm coming out here to get really personal with you. Amen. Not, not mean with you, but personal with you. Because I think, I think the church as a whole, not pointing fingers at anyone, but I think we're in an existence where we cherry pick a few very familiar scriptures. We cherry pick a little bit of knowledge here and a little bit of knowledge here, and we try to base the entire substance of our faith on those little bits. And it's why when the rubber meets the road, and it's why when things get tough, and it's why when, when difficulty comes and strikes us, we lose it. Because we've got about this much solid rock, and everything else is sinking sand. Whereas if we're building a foundation in Jesus, and then we are pursuing and seeking Him first and foremost, our solid ground gets bigger, it gets wider, it gets better, it gets deeper, it gets longer, it gets wider. Amen? Remember the song we used to sing in Sunday school? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain, spring deep and wide. Right? It should be where our faith is, man. 
That should be where our faith is. That should be where our rock is. That should be where our substance is. That should be where our goal is. That should be where our moments are. Why? Because Jesus is there. And if we're, if we're living a Christian life where we're kind of confined to this space because it's all the depth we've gone to, we're making it so hard on ourselves. When Jesus is inviting us into the deep and into the wide, and he's saying, I have been there, I have walked it, I have provided it, and I will solidify it for you if you choose to walk in it with me. Amen? Peter would have never walked on water had it not been for the power of Jesus over his life. Amen? And you all know I love this story. Amen? And, and I love it because there were, there were nine other guys, 11 other guys on the boat Depending on, on which record you read, some will argue that not all the disciples were there. But anyway, forgetting that. There were, the other disciples were in the boat, and, and I can't help that they were normal guys. Like last night, I go 0 for 2 in the game, and my boy Casey's over there going, 0 and 2! Right? It's okay, man. It's all good. Amen? I go back over. He tried to get me to do a third one. He says, get the redemption. I was like, nah, I don't need it. I don't need it. And everything else. And it's all, it's all good. It's why we have fun. It's why we have fellowship times like that. I love it. And I'm okay with being Owen too. Amen. Um, might be because they paid me off. But I'm just saying, no, just kidding. Um, but I have to believe that the other guys in the boat had that, oh, here we go moment. Here's Peter running his mouth again. He thinks he's going to walk on water because he thinks Jesus is out there. Right? And if we're honest, we all probably have. Here goes Jay moments. Here goes Bethany moments. Here goes TJ moments. And I could, I could do every name, but they should have tough skins. So I use there, right? Or getting tougher skins, right? Because it just kind of comes with the territory, right? Or Dwight, you know. Here goes Dwight again. Moments, right? We all have that. And that's okay. That's okay, right? When, when, when God's anointing is on you, you expect attacks. And that, that's fine. That's okay. Amen? Because he fights my battles. Amen? No mistakes. He fights my battles. I have no, no interest in getting entangled in that stuff. So I leave it to him. Amen? Everyone in that boat had to be going, oh, here goes Peter again. Amen? But when he walked on the water and he got back in the boat, I can't help but believe everybody in that boat for a second wished they were him. I can't help but believe that even for a split second, everybody said, dude, I wish I'd said, let me come. Right? Here's where I want to get real with you about, and this is why I'm having my big dramatic moment out here. I think we're so busy living a shallow Christianity in today's time. I don't think it's anybody's fault necessarily. I th think we have, I, th I think it's been a number of years that have moved us to this place and, and have lessened our attention to things. We have a generation, we actually we have two generations that don't know the Bible because we don't do Sunday school anymore because it's not cool, right? 
So we do the more hip things and, and we do the different things where we're not teaching Bible stories. We're not doing Jonah and the well and we're not doing Moses parting the sea and this and that and the other. And that's why I love so much what Luke and Courtney and Isaac have embraced up there. That, that it's, the, it's the Bible stories they grew up on and, and we're teaching our kids these things because I'm going to be honest with you. It's not taught a lot anymore, Right? And, and as far as Christian development and adults go, even we're not teaching the Bible anymore. We're giving you a few feel-good moments and expecting that to sustain your Christianity. And I'm saying to all of my Christian brothers and sisters out there in pulpits this morning, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so we are at a place where it is vital the longevity of our Christianity that we embrace our moments and we allow the power of God back into the church, back into our lives, back into our homes, back into our day and back into our schedule. And we let God start to move again. You know, this, this, this moment on the hillside that night was a move. It was a move. The angels came and they evangelized full of fire and full of spirit evangelized the shepherds and the shepherds were moved by it. So much so that they forgot their earthly responsibilities and they marched to Bethlehem herding the sheep all along the way because they couldn't just leave them, right? That's what we forget about this story is they had to care for the sheep along the way to get there. And they get there and they see a baby that transformed their life. And friend, we can come to church. We can have our cool moments. We can, we can do all of these things. But at the very bottom line of it all, Jesus wants to transform us into his likeness. I can give you a million scriptures. Right? He wants to transform us into his image and into how he lives, and into how he thinks, and into how he walks. So that we live our lives full of joy and glory, lifting him up, honoring him in all that we say and do. Do you know everything you do should honor him? I, I was counseling a young couple uh, that, that looks to get married, and Courtney, um, because they're getting married in about a year or two, but, but another young couple, I was counseling them, and, and they asked me, they said, you know, we're at that point in our relationship where, you know, we struggle wait with waiting. What's your best advice for that? I said, number one, thank you for being honest with me. Number two, thank you for asking for help with that, because it's tough. It's tough. And number three, Bopper to get up, or whoever that is. Time for Dwight to get up. Um, but number three, all right, bring it back. Number three, God has made that provision so that in the place of marriage, according to his plan and according to his purpose, you honor him in your union. If you do it outside of what he provided, 
you dishonor him. And so we are called, all called, to a place, right? Most of us are probably married in here except these guys, right? Um, and a couple of those guys. Um, for, for those of us who are, are married, if you think, well, what implication does this really have? Well, it doesn't just have to be about waiting. It could be about your prayer life. It could be about your, your scripture reading. It could be about how you deal with your coworkers. It could be about how you deal with things in the church. It could be about your giving. It could be about all of these things. We are all called to honor him in everything we do in life. The shepherds sought him. And when they found him, it transformed them. And it says that they went back to their fields Praising and glorifying God. Praising Him, glorifying Him, making Him first in their life. And that's what we're called to. That's the example that the shepherds have given us here in Luke chapter 2. And it's not a, it's not a thing that, that should beat you up. And, and, if, and if it's beating you up, please come and talk to me because that's not the goal of this. Amen. But if, but if it's beating you up, then, then what I would encourage you to do is to find Jesus. Find him. Find him in your day. Find him in your life. Find him in your moments of, of life. Find him and embrace the joy and the hope and the promise that he gives. Amen? Because he is meant to bring peace and joy. Everything the angels evangelize, he is meant to bring. It's when we don't meet him there, because he's there. It's when we don't meet him there that it feels like we get everything else. So I encourage you, find Jesus. My message to you today is the same as the angels to the shepherd that night. Find Jesus. Seek him. He's there. He has come. He is here. So find him. Let's pray.